one December night, over two thousand years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. Twas the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, hold up there, Jeeves. Yeah, I beg your pardon. Your nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here, look. Let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. <laughs> Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs them there's no room Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room and a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, no stable. <sighs> Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So, it could have been that instead of a stable, the Bible doesn't really say. And the Star of Bethlehem? Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh, yeah. A whole posse, even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a Manger, not actual scripture. <laughs> well, of course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see... Okay, that's enough. Except for the blooming star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. <laughs> Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that. Music! Joy to the world, the Lord is come. 
God, we are laying all of our burdens and all of our ideas of what my life is supposed to look like or what my future is supposed to look like. God, I am laying that at your feet. I'm casting it at your feet. Good morning. Merry Christmas. We are so glad you're here with us. Let me remind you that this evening, this afternoon, this evening at 7 o'clock, we're going to be having a Christmas Eve service here, which should just be praise and worship and scripture readings. And uh, if you'd like to join us tonight at 7 o'clock, and there'll be some hot chocolate and things like that after, after the service. And um, hopefully you will be here Come and celebrate with us. And if you celebrate with your family tonight, we just say Merry Christmas and enjoy your time together. Also, next Sunday, next Sunday morning, New Year's Eve, we're going to be having a service exactly like this. In other words, it's going to be a family worship at 9 o'clock and at 1030. So we will be also a family worship next Sunday. And so avail yourself to that if you would. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I just and I'm I'm amazed. I'm in awe of the reality that Jesus Christ was born to this earth to save a sinner like me. Father, He rose from the grave so that He could give His life to me. 
I worship you. I honor you. May your name be glorified today in our midst. Be present with us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you're turning your Bibles to John chapter 3, today and tomorrow most, most of the Christian world will be celebrating Christmas as a holiday. But I wonder how many will celebrate it as a holy day. We still celebrate Christmas. In fact, we've got into such a routine that sometimes I wonder if we've not forgotten the story of Scripture and the saving power of Jesus. The Christmas message is fully displayed in John 3.16. Everybody knows this verse, and, and our children are with us this morning, and I'm sure that some of them even know this verse. So if you know John 3.16, I want, you to, I want you to quote it with me. It'll be on the screen if you need help. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One of the reasons that this is the most beloved and memorized verse in the Bible is because in it is found the full summary of the gospel, the good news, the good news of God, the promises of God. The angel told Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This fulfilled a prophecy of Isaiah that's located in verse 23 of that same chapter. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, if Jesus was God with us, why did he come as a baby? Right on time. When God chose, when God created Abraham, he took dirt and formed it and made a man and breathed into him the breath of life. When God chose Abraham out of idolatry, he was 75 years old. When God finally got Moses to the point to where he could be the deliverer of Israel, he was probably around 80. When Samuel anointed David as king, he was probably around 15. And it still took years before he took the throne of Israel. But when God sent his own son, and I'm going to say sent... With the verse, verse says gave in, in verse 16, but in 17 it says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, which is it, gave or sent? Yes. He sent, why do I, Paul said it this way, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman. Sent. Why? Why was God, what was God doing? When God sent his own son, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He was birthed from a teenage virgin. 
He was saving, rescuing, redeeming the world, sinners. He loved so much that he would not allow the world to perish, but have an opportunity for eternal life, everlasting life. The key that I want to to use this morning in telling you the story again, the key to understanding what we call Christmas This indescribable gift that came to us on Christmas morning is found in the meaning of only begotten. The only begotten son. You see, when we think of only begotten or we think of begotten, we think of just born. But the word only begotten is one word in Greek. It's monogenes. Monogenes. Monos means alone. Only one or one of a kind, unique. Genos means the kind or race or birth. So only begotten means that Jesus was God's only one of a kind, unique son. He was his son. He was with the father, the one of a kind son. So uh, Boyce, a commentator, he wrote this. He said, unique means to be without like or equal, single in kind or excellent, matchless. This morning, I want to talk to you about God's one-of-a-kind son, the unique son. For God so loved the world, he gave his unique one-of-a-kind son. Now, I'm going to make some statements that I, that I want to just carry through this whole thing. Jesus was born the way no other has been born of a virgin. Jesus was born like no other. Jesus did not come into being in Bethlehem. He came to Bethlehem from heaven to be born. The one-of-a-kind son was with the Father from eternity... That's why we need to understand this only begotten. We were all born, we were all born of the seed of Adam. You see, when Adam was formed from the dirt and breathed into him the breath of life, Adam was to live in absolute dependence, in in absolute submission and dependence upon the life of God that was with him that was in him, that was breathed into him. But Adam, choosing to reject God's way and chose his own way, which was actually the enemy's way, the Bible says that he sinned before God, that he fell from his position. And everyone born from Adam has been born after in the likeness of Adam. Romans 5.12 says this. It says, Though through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Jesus was born of a virgin and didn't share Adam's seed. But he passed through the womb of a teenage girl and came to be fully human. He was fully God But in Bethlehem, Jesus was God come to be with us, fully human. God with us. He was born like no other. Born of a virgin. Jesus was born in Emmanuel. 
He would later on say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and I and the Father are one. Jesus was born the way he was born so he could live the way he lived without sin or sinless. Jesus entered into this world the same way we all entered this world as a baby. He grew to be a child. It blows my mind to think of Jesus being a teenager. But he became a young man and then full grown man. He was one of us in every way in his humanity. For 33 years, this baby born in Bethlehem lived a completely human life without sin. And I can hear somebody and people say, yeah, but he was God in the flesh. And they think that that's some kind of divine advantage. But Philippians plainly tells us in chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 in the message, he says, he, meaning Jesus, had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim some special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 in the same message says this, We don't have a priest or a go-between who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experiencing all, all but the sin. Jesus lived the life exactly the same way you live. The only difference was he lived in dependence upon the Father. He understood. Jesus felt what we feel. He experienced what it's like to be tired and discouraged, misunderstood and underestimated. He knows what it's like to hurt and to bleed and to be abandoned and rejected. But he also knows what it's like to walk in conscious dependence upon the Father in every way without sin. And if you can understand it, Jesus became the man God intended for all of us to be. Living in dependence upon the Father without sin. Jesus was born the way he was born so he could live the way that he lived. So he could die the way he died, the sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 2.14 in the New Living says this, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, the one-of-a-kind Son, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could He die, and only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And then on verse 17, it says this, Therefore, in all things, He had to be made like His brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That's a big word, propitiation. Most of the time when we see that word propitiation, we just kind of read over it, right? But mark that word. We'll get back to it. You see, in the Old Testament, God gave Moses a, a sacrificial system, a picture of what he intended, a sacrificial system. And, and Moses said that, a, that an individual was going to take a spotless lamb without blemish and present it to the priest 
And he was going to take that lamb and take its blood from the life of that lamb as a sacrifice for their sin. And the priest would then take that blood and he would present, uh, he would sprinkle it on the altar and that would be a covering for the sin, satisfying God for another year. At the age of 30, when Jesus walked up to the Jordan to be baptized of John, John the Baptist said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, the spotless, without blemish Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. 1 John 4.10 says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. There's that word again. Propitiation for our sins. Well, preacher, what in the world is propitiation? I'm glad you asked. Propitiation is a Bible word. Uh, Some would say expiation or expiate. Propitiation is a Bible word that means a sacrifice which personally pays the satisfactory price for sin is given on the altar of God that removes the sins of the people before God. Now I want you to hear this. This is the only, the one of a kind son, the only one who could do this. That Jesus, in his sinless life, offered himself on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin and shed his own blood. We know that part of it. That is, that is atonement. That is those kind of things that, that Jesus did. And it is though he took us with him to the cross. And, and the blood he shed was for us to cleanse us from all sin. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But then the other side of this is that this same Jesus took the blood that was shed on Calvary. And as our holy priest as our high priest he took it before the father and he he poured out his blood before the father as a complete expiation a complete satisfaction to the father's righteous demand to the father's holiness to the father's perfection and that not only just covered us, it removed that barrier that had stood between mankind and God since the time of Adam. And Jesus, that one-of-a-kind son, he placed his own blood on that mercy seat where God could pour out his mercy and love and life so that God could breathe upon us the breath of life again into our dead mortal souls. Jesus did it all. This one-of-a-kind son. He did both. You see, he was the perfect sacrifice. Listen, you can think you're going to be good enough that God is going to have to take you. You can do the best you can. But let me tell you, when you get there, You can take all of your goodness and you can present it in death to Jesus. You can present your own blood for your own life. But if it does not meet the standard of the holiness and the righteousness and the justice of God, He will say, depart from me for I never knew you. 
But Jesus was born the way he was born. He lived the way he lived in order to die the death he died. And he took a perfect man's sacrifice into the throne room. And by his own righteousness, he stepped over into the the mercy seat. And he poured his own blood that represented a perfect sacrifice to the Father. And it broke the barrier that had kept us from heaven. The, The veil was rent. And now we can approach boldly the very throne of God as sons and daughters. How? For whosoever believes. Here's the thing. You could never do it. Nobody can. It takes the one of a kind son. There's none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, delivered, rescued, ransomed. But the name of Jesus. None other. And it has been offered once and for all. Never will be something required of you that Jesus didn't pay. And never will be something required of you that Jesus' sacrifice did not open the door for God's grace to be sufficient for. Jesus was born the way he was born, so he could live the way he lived, so he could die the way he died, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. Nobody's sins have ever been permanently removed in any other way except by the means of a one-of-a-kind Lord Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection. Whoever believes and receives Jesus as Savior, as Lord, is not only forgiven, but he receives the gift of eternal life, a whole new life, born from above, vitally, spiritually alive as a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. I'm going to invite the altar team to come. Today, there would be no better gift that you could give to Jesus. No better gift that you could give to Jesus than your heart, your life. You say, well, I did as a... What Jesus wants from you is not all of these things and this stuff and religion. What he wants is a submissive heart that owns him for who he is. It's ABCs. I acknowledge that I recognize that I'll never be free from my sin in my own power, by my own sacrifice, by my own obedience. I believe that Jesus offered the sacrifice that was totally sufficient for me. And I confess, I agree with God that Jesus is Lord and he is risen from the dead to die no more. When I say and believe that with my heart, God blows the breath of life into us again. And we become somebody we'd never been. You see, John 3.16, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a very religious Pharisee. And he said, Nicodemus, you won't even see the kingdom unless you be born from above. Wouldn't it be the best Christmas gift we could give to God this morning is to give him our heart? There's a free gift available to you this morning. Romans 6.23 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a free gift ready made for you personally prepared and wrapped in love and grace and power and peace. And God is saying, receive it. Trust me. Believe me. And the scripture says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the authority to be children of God. Father, thank you for your love that was so outrageous that you sent your one-of-a-kind son who came to be fully human and share and experience this life in all of its pain and rejection and wretchedness. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. Thank you, Jesus. You did it all. And all to you I give. Today, I receive that once and for all gift, that indescribable gift of forgiveness and life in abundance. Come into my life, Lord. Make me that new creation and everything it's intended to be. I receive you and all you've promised now. Now. I want to invite you to stand with me. And as Amanda sings, I want you to pray your prayer. Acknowledge, A, acknowledge that you can't save yourself. B, believe in the Lord Jesus. And then C, confess Him, agree with Him that He is Lord, that He's enough, that He's worthy, and He's willing, and that you receive Him today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. we tell the Christmas story tomorrow's going to be an opportunity to tell the Christmas story again in December of 2005 the BBC a radio program called Sunday ran a contest to reduce the nativity competition they called it to see which listener could best tell the Christmas story in 30 seconds the guy who won it 
told it in three. Here's what he said, and he won it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to solve our greatest problem and to bring us into a living relationship with God, which will enrich our lives here and now and transform us forever in heaven, forever and ever. Here's the Christmas story. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's celebrate him today and tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. The ministry team is available if you need prayer. Merry Christmas.